I remember walking out of closing with a pile of keys in my hand, <laughs> knowing that literally there's 11 families um, that are now to a degree I'm responsible for. And it's really sobering. Um, I don't think I slept that well that night. I'm Dan Moison from Muhammad, Illinois, previously owner of Simplified Computers, now part of Pavlov Media in Champaign. And I also own Moison Properties. Hi there, it's Steve. Welcome to Holstein and Company, the podcast. If you just found the show, do me a favor and press follow or subscribe in your podcast app. I'm really excited to interview and learn from my friend Dan Moison. So let's get right to it. I think I remember how we met. I don't remember when we when we met. Do you remember roughly? Uh, I'm gonna. Well, we started Simplified Computers in '96, and I would say by '98 to '99, we our paths had crossed. I think I came in and I was looking to have a custom computer built for my business. That sounds familiar. And I think you sat down with me one on one. And uh, you said, here's what, you know, I'm like, I want a beast. I don't want a system I can just order from Dell. I want, you know, a beast of a system. And then after that, we became gaming buddies. Yes. And if I recall that system from over 20 years ago, we did a uh, a raid card to do um, mirroring of your hard drives for, you know, for additional data protection. Yes, that's very geeky. <laughs> so you sold Simplified Computers a couple of years ago and you're with Pavlov Media now. So what are you doing with them? So, you know, as Simplified, you know, obviously we work with residential home customers, but we also did a lot with businesses, right? And so kind of carrying through with that, with the relationships that I have locally with businesses, um, we are selling, you know, B2B. Um, we'll throw that term out a lot. So previously at Simplified, we were doing IT support, right? So managed IT, all different kinds of IT work on the B2B side at Pavlov Media, um, we do that and more. So we will also do fiber optic internet to businesses, as well as business VoIP phone systems. Now you came to work for Pavlov because they bought Simplified Computers. And so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that and then your other venture, which is property ownership. If you don't mind, you don't have to get into too many details, but what made you decide to sell Simplified Computers and go to work for them? You know, as as we age, you know, you do start to slowly think about, you know, um, how will this end? How will, what is my exit strategy would be the buzzword, right? And so... Um, I was not looking to sell simplified computers. I believe in the vision and uh, I love what I did um, and what I still do. Um, I happened to be at lunch one day and the owner of uh, Pavlov Media came and we got talking and he kind of uh, said, hey, is this something you were thinking about? And I said, you know, yes, in 10 years. And um, his timeline was a little faster than mine. But uh, after some constructive conversations, I, uh, I, I did see that there was a good uh, potential here, right? A synergy of uh, complementary services, right? Of us already having a large quantity of IT customers that we support, but not providing internet or phones, the concept of merging and being able to offer one point of contact for all, all services um, had a lot of appeal to, to me and also some of our customers. And so it just seemed like um, it all kind of fell together. And uh, you know, by solving the problem when I did, I guess you could say that it's a problem I won't need to solve later. So people, I, I got to think that half the people in Champaign-Urbana have popped in to Simplified at one time or another, especially during the pandemic, to look for a new keyboard, to quickly get a laptop. Uh, now, you haven't been there for the past couple of years, but it's still going strong on Neil there. It is. It is. A, so that's 25 years on Neil Street. The first 23 was under my ownership, but the 25 total years. And, um, you know, through the pandemic, you know, we, we actually thought that maybe foot traffic would decrease. 
but I don't really think that it did. Um, a lot of people, there was a surge, of course, to work from home, right? And a surge to work remotely. And so uh, there was a lot of people that were coming in to say, hey, how do I work from home? I need laptops. I need cameras. I mean, we sold out of cameras. The whole country sold out of cameras. Um, you know, uh, a lot of that. And then on the business side, there was a lot of requests of, um, I need additional VPN licenses. I want my employees working from home effectively, um, which again, that also ties into uh, what Pavlov offers, which is I need more bandwidth, right? And I need to be able to stream and upload content as well as download, right? But uploads are very important if you're streaming, right? So, you know, through it all, you know, our foot traffic actually remained strong and, you know, we were considered a essential as IT is considered essential business. And we were happy to, you know, take our precautionary measures, but also remain open and being able to um, help people. Uh, furthermore, I think it was a real blessing to um, our employees, right? We were able to stay open and stay employed and stay helping people. And, um, you know, not everybody was as fortunate. On a personal level, did you find yourself doing a little additional tech support for family and friends, uh, you know, who needed help with setting up cameras and laptops? Yeah, you know, for good or for bad, you know, that's never changed, right? It's as soon as someone knows you're involved in IT, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, tr I try to keep yeah. a low profile, but... Uh, and Pavlov, the, the, you know, did, did they get calls? Did you guys get calls about residential service or do you, do you not even do that? That's a great question. So the last couple of years, we've actually been expanding into what we call fiber to the home, or we quickly quickly abbreviate FTTH. And so in the last couple of years, uh, Pavlov has um, completely wired uh, Monticello and Muhammad and Downs. And now we're working on uh, a few other cities, Mansfield, uh, Savoy. Dan, you had everybody listening at Downs. When you said Downs, <laughs> everybody said, if, if Pavlov is good enough for Downs, Illinois, then it's good enough for me. <laughs> like I said, you know, some of these small towns, you know, that have been sort of, I'll just say starved, maybe for good bandwidth, um, you, you'd be, you know, probably not surprised at how welcoming these small towns are just to have, to have connectivity. And, you know, Pavlov has a lot of connectivity in Bloomington and in Champaign with obviously a connection between those two cities. So anybody on that corridor becomes, you know, a good candidate. It's crazy. I remember talking with, um, I think it was the Monticello School District Superintendent right near the beginning of the pandemic. And we were talking about remote learning and getting Chromebooks and uh, hotspots into, into the hands of students. And he'd said that, uh, I guess the state of Illinois had said that 2020 was supposed to be sort of the drop dead year for having a plan for remote learning for all schools in the state. I may have mm -hmm. uh, some of this a little bit off. Only about 10% of schools were really prepared. And that's not surprising. I mean, you know, there are a lot of big fish to fry for superintendents and schools and school districts and elementary principals and all that. Yeah. So boy, did that accelerate that. And now, you know, now when there's a winter storm watch, it's like, well, kids, uh, we're still going to be Zoom learning. That's right. That's exactly right. We're actually finding more and more that people have finally started to realize that the upload speed is also just as important as the download speed, right? Before people just care about download, but now with streaming, you're also uploading a lot of your content where the ISPs in the past have really focused on faster downloads. The uploads have been quite poor. So what we've been finding is, is that a lot of the demand has been for increased upload as well, especially at like churches, you know, streaming sermons, um, upload really matters.
I've been to church on Zoom quite a lot over the past year. <laughs> sure. And then what I do if I miss it, you know, I either rewatch it on YouTube or I listen to the podcast version. I also learned that my favorite podcast to listen to while cutting the grass is the Steve Holstein podcast. Oh, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Dan, you have now uh, switched gears. You're, you're working for Pavlov. Uh, you sold simplified computers and you're working for Pavlov. But some time ago, you decided that you wanted to, uh, to, to, to get into something else. Tell us about that. As much as I like to say it was part of this ingenious master plan, um, I cannot do that at all. Um, many years ago, uh, when we were looking for a place on Neal Street, um, uh, we were looking for a place to rent. And uh, a person said, you know, I'd also consider selling you this building as well. And, um, you know, do some math and you figure out that, gosh, if I can find a way to buy it, um, then you kind of pay rent to yourself, right? And there's there's lots of benefits to doing that and some depreciation and such. And so I ended up buying um, the building on Neal Street and uh, you know renting back um, to myself and also having another tenant uh, as well in the building. And so you know my focus was still um, uh, IT and computers and and I know how this how silly this is going to sound, but you know in the '90s there was this guy named Michael Dell and um, he was real successful and was doing good things. And I thought, well, maybe I'll be the next Michael Dell, right? And so your focus was completely on IT, but by accident, I ended up buying a building on Neal Street. And um, you know, again, that's 23 years ago now, but um, you start to realize, gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's not bad to have maybe like more than one income source, right? And just to, to diversify a little bit. And I didn't know that 20 years from now, you know, computers would be where they are today. And um, you know, sometimes they're inexpensive enough that maybe you don't want to fix it, right? So maybe you just want to replace it. And so uh, over the years of diversifying, you know, you, you have one property and it works. And then, and then like someone says, Hey, would you like to buy another? And you realize, well, gosh, the first one kind of worked out. So then you buy another. And then over uh, 20 something years, you've got maybe, you know, 10 or so properties. And, and um, I have really enjoyed, you know, diversifying a little bit and, and having, uh, I, I like real estate, you know, it's, it's, it's basic. Like I understand it. It's real, it's tangible. And um, you don't have all your eggs in one basket, right? Uh, and you can actually like two baskets and they're both good and they both have benefits. And um, so, yeah, so I got, I've got involved in some rental property and I, I really enjoyed that. You said you own how many now? 10 properties? Yeah, about 10. And they're all multifamily apartments? Yeah. And, you know, it is big in a college town. Um, and it's kind of like, it seems like you're, you're either known for your, you know, you rent to students and that's your specialty. Um or you kind of don't. Um, I've definitely have taken the approach of um, not focusing on a campus property only because the costs are much, much higher, right? So when you look at like appraisals um, and uh, assessments, the campus property is just amazingly expensive, right? And so most of the players on there are bigger, right? Bigger players and off campus is a whole different animal. It literally is looked at completely different. Like the banks look at them completely differently, right? So um, I, I'm happy to be off campus. And, um, and although we do have some students, right, that want to be off campus where it's quieter, there's a lot of people that are just regular working people, right, that just want a place to stay and are not ready to buy a home yet. And so it's, um, you, you know, I don't know, maybe more stable. I'm not sure if that's really the right word to use, but um, it, it's worked out well. What, um, what was it like? For, first of all, what was the, what, what's the address of your first property? Do you still own that? I, I recently just sold my first property, believe it or not. Yeah. What 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 was the address? 311 South Prairie Street. How many units in that? 11. 11, 11 units. So what was, the, what was the feeling the day that you signed the papers on that and they gave you 
I, I guess technically they gave you the keys because you would have keys to every apartment as the as the uh, the owner of the property. What was that feeling like walking out of that office? That's a real insightful question because I remember that day vividly. I remember walking out of closing with a pile of keys in my hand, <laughs> knowing that literally there's 11 families, right? Um, that are now to a degree I'm responsible for, right? And it's really sobering. Um, I don't think I slept that well that night. The next day, you know, I went door to door and met every single person and said, this is who I am. And this is, you know, a legal document that says I'm now the owner. And what problems might you have? And you kind of get to develop a rapport and you have to develop a system of management, right? How will you keep track of rents? How will you keep track of maintenance requests? And big learning curve, right? Learning just how to do everything on a multifamily. You're so used to doing single family. Um, there was a lot. And I had a partner at the time, a uh, business partner, and that was helpful as well because we both felt that way. I mean, we're both a little nervous to take it on ourselves, one, you know, single, um, alone. And so, uh, you know, we had complementary skills and that helped a lot. But I'll tell you, most of my fears were uh, overblown. Like it wasn't, I was more nervous than I had to be. And it's amazing. Once you're you just, you meet people and you listen to them and you're good to them and you respond to them and you fix things and you treat people well, it's amazing that that actually goes really far. I want to know what was that reaction like? Because you had 11 tenants that you went to visit door to door. Really cool thing to do. You probably had a notepad and a pen because they had, mm-hmm. well, you know, probably simple things. Well, the toilet's still running or whatever. Um Overall, was there, was, there, was there a reaction like, oh, new owner, cool, nice to meet you. Uh, if you can fix the toilet, that'd be great. Or Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was quite positive because what I've noticed is when I have purchased from other sellers, um, some sellers do a great job, right? They're selling not because they're doing a bad job. They're selling for other reasons, retirement or moving out of the area. But some sellers are selling because they got overwhelmed, right? They didn't do things right. They didn't take care of things. They weren't taking care of things. So therefore they weren't getting paid and they weren't getting paid. So they couldn't take care of things and everything spiraled out of control and it just went South. Right. And so, uh, you know, uh, when you get in there and you start taking care of things and fixing things and everybody had a list of, you know, things that needed to be done. And I probably could have done a lot better job at inspecting and getting lists of things that needed to be done beforehand. But, you're young and you're in your 20s and you're inexperienced. And so you'd learn some hard lessons and some financial lessons, but you get in there and you listen and um, you fix things and then things start calming down, right? So your first day, you might have you know 30 things to fix, but over time you get things taken care of. And then when things get calmed down, then it's just kind of steady as you go, right? Like, like your house doesn't break every day, right? You, it breaks sometimes, but not every day. And that's kind of the same true here, right? Once you take care of things, things don't break every day. And then sometimes you don't get calls for a week or weeks, right? And so it's really just getting a grip on the entire situation and getting good systems in place and good policies and procedures and responding to people. Um, it just goes a long, long ways. So you sold your first building recently. If you were getting into it now, if you were to be able to go back 20 plus years and talk to Dan Moison then and say, oh, hey, uh, before you sign your first building, uh, fi- sign the contract, um, keep this in mind. I would have done more real estate earlier in my life. As you know, when you buy something, you know, you're looking at a 20 or 30 year payoff. I would have been more aggressive to start earlier. I wouldn't have been so afraid. Uh, and I also, I also kind of limited myself to multifamily because I really felt that that was the way to go. And although I have done well with multifamily, 
I also have learned that there's many people who have done very well with single family. And so I wouldn't have restricted myself to only multifamily. I would have looked at, I would have been more diverse and looked at more, more opportunities and not only multifamily. When you're thinking about buying another property and you've done a little bit of homework, maybe you pull up to the curb and you're going to look at it. Do you sort of get a feeling before going inside or walking around it? Oh, this is not for me or this is uh, this is a dog or something like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, first impressions. Uh, what's the saying? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Yeah. You know, everybody has uh, different things that they look for, right? And I've learned that it's definitely not just the way I look at things, right? So some people will buy in, let's say, Danville or Rantoul. And for some people, they that'd be a taboo. And for other people, they do great. They have great success up there, right? So you have to define what do you want? What are you looking for? What communities do you want to be in? Do you want to have uh, only in Champagne. Do you want to have Champagne and Urbana? How far away do you want your properties to be um, when you're commuting between the properties to take care of them? Um, lots of things that you look for, you know, and, and some people, okay, some people are okay with basements and some people maybe they don't want to have basements, right? Uh, and so you definitely learn what you like and what you don't like and what you look for and what you avoid. And, you know, and if it's a property that's kind of like marginal and you're not really excited about it, maybe you offer less, right? Because it's not really your thing. But if there's one that's exactly what you want, that fits your exact uh, list of requirements of exactly what you want, you'll step up and pay more. And I've done exactly that. How does it feel when you're driving around town? Obviously, you're not the big JSMs of the world. You're not the Green Street Realties and whatever else is out there. You've got 10 plus multifamily units. So you've got enough where when you're out driving around, um, you see moistened properties on some signs. How does that feel? I think my daughter likes it better than I do. <laughs> She's like, Dad, I love driving around and seeing your name on signs. I think it's so cool. That's great. That's great. How old is your daughter? She's 15. That's cool. And you don't have a ton of properties, but it's Champaign-Urbana. And so if you've got you know, 10 plus, 10, 11, 12, whatever you've got, she's going to see that probably quite often. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's good. She, she likes it. She thinks it's cool um, to see her, you know, her last name on a sign. Um, but uh yeah, it, it's been good. Yeah. Do you see at at fifteen? Do you see her heading that way? Yeah, I do see some potential in that. Um, you know, probably my own fault because uh, I love real estate. I enjoy talking about real estate. I listen to real estate podcasts. I find it really interesting, and so she stuck with me. And so uh, I do talk about real estate to her, um, and just the concept of investing and buying depreciating assets or buying appreciating assets. Something that she's probably just uh, totally sick of hearing me talk about. Um, but that being said, I'll say I'm really proud of her and that she's learned an awful lot in her 15 years. And um, uh, I can see her investing uh, in property. Okay. So so you brought it up. So you're, you're a regular podcast listener. If somebody's interested in getting into real estate and rental properties, what's a good podcast for them to tune into? I love the Bigger Pockets podcast. You know, I'm sure there's lots of other good ones out there, but I'm kind of a Bigger Pockets guy. And I also like to listen to lots of other kinds of podcasts, so I don't just listen to one. But as far as real estate goes, bigger pockets is what I what I enjoy. Besides listening to the podcast, if somebody's going, you know, I've always wanted to own a duplex or rent, you know, buy a rental house, what's the first thing they should do? There's so much information available now, but what's the first resource you would point them to? Oh boy, first rental. Um, I'm sure there's lots of good books out there that will kind of give you the skinny of you know how to buy your first investment property, your first rental property. I mentioned bigger pockets; they do talk about 
people starting off. Um, it's it's more geared toward a smaller investor like like myself, and not so much you know once you have ten thousand units, they probably don't listen to bigger pockets. So it, it is geared toward um, beginners, and they also interview a lot of people of how did you go from here to there. Um, and that's one of their their uh, the guests that they have on that talk about that. Um, uh, they also also have authored some books, um, and so I would recommend um, some of their books. They talk about um, the Burr method, like the B R R R method. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say uh, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. You you can't say what B you can't say B R R R without telling us what that oh, is. Gosh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that, and I would I would I would stumble <laughs> on them. I do it, but the Burr method the Burr method is so good. I can't remember it. <laughs> I know it's uh, let's see, uh, buy, uh, renovate, um, rent, and refinance. Okay, something like that. Uh, but people always talk about the, the method of you're you're going to buy something that's somewhat distressed. Uh, you're going to uh, renovate it. You're going to get it rented, and then you're going to get it uh, reappraised. Um, and so, you know, some throw in repair into there, but like, you know, your BRRR, um, but this has a concept, you know, you, you buy a property that's distressed that maybe is like an eyesore in a neighborhood that needs love, needs attention, needs to be fixed up. Um, you'll buy that, um, maybe at a discount because it needs so much work and it scares away a lot of normal buyers. You'll buy that and you'll do some sweat equity and do some painting and some yard work. And you'll get it fixed up and make it look nice and put some new carpet installed and you know uh, fix it up right and then uh, you'll you'll rent it and I'll be your first rental and it'll it'll rent really well right because you didn't pay as much for it and then when it gets uh, refinanced and reappraised at a much higher number you're like wow I just bought something for you know fifty thousand and now it's appraised at a hundred thousand that's called sweat equity right and. Uh, and now every month you get a nice check in the mail, and uh, we like to call that mailbox money. And uh, you and you're like, wow, this is actually working really well. What if I had two of these or three of these? And a duplex is a great way to start. Either maybe you'll live on one half, and you'll have a, you'll rent the other half out. And then as maybe you grow, you'll rent both halves out, right? And you'll buy something else for yourself. And uh, that's a great way to start. And when you have those properties reassessed and the value is higher, that gives you more uh, power at the bank to to take out a larger loan or another loan for your next property. That's right. That's right. Sometimes a way to start uh, your investing career is um, you might um, have to borrow money from uh, an investor or a family or a loved one because for good reason, banks are a little cool to loaning money on a house that's in poor condition, right? It doesn't appraise well, you know. Um, so, uh, if you don't have the money yourself, basically buying it is the hurdle, right? The down payment's the hurdle, um, you know. But there are ways around that, right? And the books and the podcasts talk all about that. But um, some call that hard money lending or private equity. Um, it's something that I have I have used, and something that I also have done for other people, right? So. Um, there, there's lots of opportunities out there. If you want to get involved in real estate, you know, put some effort into it. Read the, read the book on Burr and read some, you know, do some podcasting. And before you know it, you realize that maybe what you thought was impossible is actually quite possible. Um, and you know, you bring up good point about the back episodes of the podcast that you do listen to. That's the nice thing. If you're new to podcasting, once you listen to a couple of episodes, if somebody like a real estate investment podcaster, you can start going back and just zipping through the archives, you know, when you're on road trips and just dumping a ton of knowledge into your brain as you travel. It's a great way when you're walking outside, you can, uh, you know, kind of 
take care of your health by walking, but also take care of, uh, you know, your, your, your mind, your career, your aspirations by doing some podcasting, walking outside. It's been so beautiful. I try to walk every day. Steve, I know you're an avid walker. Um, and I love podcasting when I'm walking, doing yard work outside, cutting the grass. I mean, uh, driving in your car, right. You can easily find, you know, a couple hours a day of, of self-improvement if that's what you want to do. Dan Moison, formerly of Simplified Computers, now with Pavlov Media and also owner of Moison Properties. You'll see the signs around Champaign and Urbana. And it was good to catch up. I haven't seen you in a while and uh, we'll get together soon, okay? Great talking to you, Steve. That's the show. If you have a comment or question, my email is in the show notes of your podcast app, or you can visit the contact link at holstein.co. If you're listening in an app and you haven't already, please press the subscribe or follow button so each episode is downloaded automatically to your gadget. And if you listen in Apple Podcasts and you like what I do, leave a five-star review and a nice comment. I'd appreciate that. I'm Steve. This was Holstein & Company, the podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.